This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know that I know. Alright everyone, welcome back. This is the Solve for Why vlogcast, episode number 20 of season number two. Of course, it is myself, Christian Soto, and my main man, co-host of all things in this building, Matt Burks. Steelers, baby! Woo! 5-0. and oh. that's, that's, uh, that's nice. Beat up on them brownies, per usual. You hate those guys. Yeah. Yeah, we hate those guys. It's, it's like a Cleveland-Pittsburgh rivalry, right? Yeah, but it's like straight disrespect. It's so like, we also hate Baltimore, but Baltimore is competitive, mm-hmm. right? So it's a real rivalry. Like there's a little bit of mutual respect. We hate you, but like, you know, we respect you because you're a competitor. Is it like a only a football thing or like all sports? Um because it's how about well, hockey? Well, so it doesn't really work in any other sport. In baseball, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are NL AL, mm-hmm. so they literally never play. Yeah. And then they don't have a hockey team. We don't have a basketball team. Got it. So there's just like no cry. It's just this, man. Just this. It's just blood on the gridiron. It's like when high school, like it's like when two high school uh, are close to each other. Oh, there. we hated Apollo Ridge, man. They were the other rural town across yeah. the river. Somehow they were rednecks and we were just like, you know, upstanding citizens. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We called them scum. <laughs> I woke up this morning and my eye was swollen again and I mm-hmm. was like, fuck. So mm-hmm. I text Dr. Edwards, that of which I heard was on this podcast for a later date yeah um and he's like listen man the eye is nothing to play with you should go check it out mm. and i was two minutes That's later it. i was in the hospital bro yeah. <laughs> i was like yep yeah, nope you went to a hospital yeah because i went to the urgent care and yeah. it was like an hour wait and i was like bro i have insurance like i'm going to the hospital yeah, like, all right. like, like i was like forget it i'm not gonna wait an hour um so i just went to the hospital and they they put me under like some black light, bro. This shit was crazy right now. What'd they say? I don't know. They were like, they gave me some like ointment thing. Did they diagnose it? No, they, they were like, okay, like you still have this thigh and then like this is like irritated or whatever. Mm. And they're like, okay, like here's this ointment. Have this follow up with some like Indian doctor or whatever. And I sure. was like, all right, cool. That follow up's the biggest bullshit scam in all of medicine. Is it? Yeah, it's always just like, here's a way that you're going to give me an extra $100. For me to say that like our protocols uh worked which you could just see if it heals that's true right like i'm trying to think the last time i had a follow-up uh i i think it was like six months post-op for my acl they're not gonna tell me anything they're not giving me an mri yeah they're not they're not doing any sort of like a doctor is gonna go in there and he's gonna go like this with my knee and like bend it a few times and be like oh your mobility seems great it's like yeah go fuck yourself i'm walking of course <laughs> it's fine Oh, man, that's funny. But anyway, before that, we were playing a little bit of 50, 100. A lot of people were following along on Instagram. Is this the part where I'm supposed to say, like, if you don't follow us on Instagram, yeah. it's Christian Soto TV and Berkey 11. And then like Soft a little TV. Yeah. And the software white TV. As yeah. Well. And then the little graphics come up at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's what we got a team for. Yeah. Okay. So then we were playing some 50, 100 at the win. Whoa. whoa. I started at 100, 200. Excuse me. Just, Excuse me. Yeah. Just saying. I'm not it, was, it was an interesting day, right? Because 
we both went down there. There's usually only one game running, right? But this was in an unusual circumstance where there was actually two games that of high stakes. Yours was a clear private game. Mine was yeah. like bordering on a private game for sure. Um, I would say that they were both pretty. They were both private. Um, I feel like yours was relatively public. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess it was private in the sense that the people in the game like had a say. Yeah. If somebody got a seat. Yeah. But like not got a seat. But not got a seat seven hours into the game. <laughs> Fair. Like not got a seat because knock is always a lurking. Always yeah. Lurking. That, well, that's kind of like what I'm yeah, saying. That's what I'm like, saying. So it was like semi. It was like it was like when we ran out of people. Yeah. It was like, OK, knock, I guess you can sit. You yeah, know? yeah. So it was it was it was publicish. Yeah. Um. But yours is, was completely private. Um, okay, so interesting situation. That's actually that might have been the first time that's ever happened between you and I, where like we go to a place and play two different high stake games. Yeah. Um, I mean, it so, happens a lot during like big gambling times of the year, but usually the stakes differ enough where uh, it. So like there have been times in the past where I've been like first up to the big game at Aria, but it's like Super Bowl or March Madness or yeah. something of that effect. And there's like a secondary game that's like half the stakes. Right. So they're playing like 3-6-12. We're playing like 2-4. And it's almost like a feeder game. Like as somebody busts or leaves or whatever, like you pull from the 2-4 game. Yeah. This was weird that they were so close in stakes. I mean, they were half the stakes. Yeah, I guess you're right. But like. <laughs> but it 50, doesn't feel the same. 51 right? and 1-2 feel very They're comparable. very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very similar. Okay. So then you play. Um. And you do well in the in the 100, oh, we, 200 we game. We got him. You come down and start playing in, in my game after a, a short period of time. I was buried, dude. I was, like, so annoyed the whole time. Yeah, I wouldn't let you leave. Yeah, you wouldn't let me leave. And I was like, bro, I've lost at least 15 seven deuces for 300 a pop. You walked for a half hour at the end of the night and you missed four bounties. Thank God. In that half hour. No, but you, bro. I don't understand how, you know what, like, that's the mark of a tight game is, like, when the seven deuce just keeps getting through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It got through all the time. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I was I was down probably, like, 17,000 at, at, at peak buried. Yeah. Right? Uh, and you came in. When you came in, I was still down 17,000. I just, like, ran it up. Like, I just spun it back to even. Mm-hmm. And I felt so great. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is what it feels like. Yeah. Usually you just like your destiny's sealed. Right. You know, like it's just like, bro, there's just no way. Like you're just stuck, whatever. But the talk of the town was not me getting even. No. The talk of the town that I got endless messages was like, yo, Berkey slow rolled someone with quads. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, not really, but I get it. So, okay, walk me through that spot. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a major, major nit roll, yeah. obviously. But it was also one of those scenarios where I think, like, I would hero fold some pretty big fucking hands here. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there's a big difference between, like, on this particular texture, like, quad nines and jacks full. No. Um, so, it, basically, just because of the line. The line was so fucking weird. It's the only reason I consider it. If, if like, the same exact board had come out with a different line, I would have just snapped River yeah. because I would have discounted, like, the hands that beat me. But 
So effectively what it was, uh, I opened nines in the hijack to 300 button calls. And then uh, one of our, our friendly players calls the small blind. So there is a thousand in the pot. We take a flop of nine, nine, seven with the nine of clubs. Checks to me, I check. Button stabs for third pot. Small blind calls, I call. Yeah. So now there's 1900 in the pot. I was already kind of looking at you funny. Like when you overcalled there, yeah. I was like, yo, what you got, bro? Like, what you got? I was like, I could have some. I was jack- like, you have aces? I could have like <laughs> some jack 10 that have bad blockers. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you got aces or you got jack 10? What you got? Yeah. <laughs> you got enough aces. Luck? Aces would have made sense too. Um, so the turn is now the jack of clubs. So it's jack of clubs, nine of clubs, nine, seven. Yes. Checks to me again. I check. But now overbets, 2,500 into 1,900. Yeah, shady. Not really a thing, mm-hmm. I don't think. No. Uh, not three ways. No. I, I don't really see a nine doing this. Correct. And when his best hands don't do it, I definitely don't see 10-8 doing this. Um, no. Because I, I can just have jacks or sevens. 10-8 of clubs makes sense. Yeah, a little bit. But like, that's one... It's one, one combo, combo and it's not a bluff. Right, right, right. It's, it's, the, it's nut, the nut. Well, it's not the nuts, but it's the nut straight. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Like, all the value, in my opinion, especially three ways, wants to go, like, three quarters pot. Correct. Uh, makes sense. And align it with, like, some reasonable bluffs, like maybe king, queen of clubs and other hands that he may have stabbed flop with to turn backdoors. Yeah. Good backdoor properties. Yeah. Um, So, small blind tanks forever and folds, which would love to know what that hand was. Some, Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Maybe a jack. Maybe eight. I think it might be like exactly eight. You don't think you would fold a jack? Uh, Probably not. May- it's tough to peel. How could he peel a jack? Jack 10. Yeah, I guess. That would be like the one. Yeah. So yeah, like jack 10 or eights would make sense yeah, yeah. to me. Obviously, he's a loose player. He's yeah, pretty sure. loose passive. But um, So obviously, I, I call. Mm-hmm. And I considered raising because it's like, well, maybe. I mean, I have quads. So like. Maybe I just cooled him off and he has sevens or 10 8. And if he has 10 8, I don't like want a bad river where I can't yeah, stack him. But yeah. then again, I'm just like, ah, he just has way more. This is a bluff. Like, this is just a bluff. He's overbetting in a spot where like overbetting is not really preferred. So it's definitely just a bluff. Thanks and so. that's what's running through my mind prior to the river coming out. It's like he's 100% bluffing turn. The river's the 10 of clubs, mm-hmm. completing three straight flushes. Yeah. So now eight, six of clubs is a straight flush. Queen eight of clubs is a straight flush and king queen of clubs is a straight flush. And I think he's capable of having all of them as a button flatter. So I'm just kind of like, okay. Um, in my head, I was just like, okay, this is a good card for him to potentially follow through on. But when I checked to him, I expected, you know, that 75%. Pot, pot and a half. Yeah, yeah, something like that. He rips for 3x pot. Yeah, that was crazy. So he jams 20,000 into 65 or 68, something like that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, well, fuck. How does he ever have the naked queen of clubs? Because that's the only hand to run this with. Right. That's a bluff, right? Like you're not doing it with the eight of clubs. That's a straight. You're you're gonna either value bet and try to get called by worse, or you're just gonna check down and hope to win. So like for sure. Ruling out having a naked eight here. Like he doesn't have pocket eights with the eight of clubs. No. He doesn't have pocket queens. No. Like that's really not a thing, especially with this line work. I guess it No, it, not the turnover bit though. It would add up a little bit better, I suppose, but not three ways. Yeah. Somebody has a nine in that instance, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I, I'm thinking about this because I'm fucking 
grossed out, man. It's like King Queen of Clubs makes a whole lot of fucking sense here. Yeah. So does Queen Eight and so does Eight Six. Like they're all air balls on the turn, and they just drilled their dream river. And they also all like, with the exception of eight six, they all block me having a better hand. So I'm just like, kind of like, ah, uh, I mean, am I really gonna fold quads tonight? Uh, but I'm just like super locked in. And honestly, I hate to say it, but like, uh, I was I was like trying to pick up on something because I thought it was that close. Yeah, was- like I think people under bluff here enough. Oh, for sure, it's he needs to be reaching. Yeah, and like I just don't see any worse value. Like, no. I don't even think sevens can shove because I could just have jacks full as Correct. played. Correct. Yeah, and it's just true. like, that just seems great. I could also have king, queen of clubs, though. It's like pretty low probability. Um, yeah, so it's, it's probably just, like the only, it's the, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like all of this just seems like so low. I could have nine, seven. I could have jack nine. I could have jacks. I could just have like all these really good hands where sevens just can't three X over bet shove. So now I can't find any value, right? Like I'm not beating any value. In my opinion, I see. I, yeah. I just don't think that that's that's, that's feasible. Yeah, yeah that and I have sense. quads, <laughs> so it's like I'm not beating any value any longer, and I have to start to find the bluffs. And I'm just like, where the fuck am I pulling the naked queen of clubs from? <laughs> so why'd you call? Because I had quads, and like, <laughs> I, honestly, like I kind of waited them out a little bit, and I, I thought I picked up on something too. <laughs> so I finally call. First of all, I announced it. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I'm knit rolling. I have quads here. This is gross. I didn't even hear that when you said that because I had my headphones off. Yeah. Well, that, and that was like kind of where from that point forward, I, I noticed a real change in demeanor. Um, and I finally call and he just slides his hand in the muck before I even table my hand. Yeah. But then I felt obligated to table because like I didn't want him to think I was running an angle and I really had a seven. The table <laughs> exploded when you did that. And like, when you showed quads, I tried to get your back. I was like, listen, Berkey's going broke. All right. Like, let him lead. let him live. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's all good. Like, like he's I'd rather people think that I slow rolled him, to be honest. Like, this Berkey guy's a prick. He just fucking tanked for four minutes with quads to slow roll the shit this out of him. This guy me. flew from Chicago to play against Matt Berkey and then got slow rolled. Yeah, he has a story now. I'm sorry, man. I honestly he handled it really well. Uh I don't know his name, but I think his uh, name is Brian. Yeah, I do apologize. For the, uh, I mean, the I mean, time. I think, I think, like when you break it down like that, it's very reasonable. One thing that did happen after the hand, though, that I do tell like uh, people, especially people that like are newer to high stakes and stuff, is you actually covered him, mm-hmm. and he was paying you out of pocket, pocket. Right, to right. keep his chips in stack, yeah, in, in, intact, yeah, because he had like hundreds and stuff, so he went into his bag to give you like 20,000, yeah. right? And he was about to hand you 20,000 in cash or or big chips, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, "Wait, hold on. Berkey co- like, like Berkey covers you. You don't have 20,000." Yeah. So then broke down his stack and I think it was, it was like, like a $900 difference. Yeah, it was like a $900 difference, but yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah for that sure. happens all the time. Like for sure. you he would have overpaid you. Um Yeah, so- it's easy to get like rattled in that spot and just like want to be done with it and move on. Yeah, but you're also, just like, oh, like I'm all in. Like yeah. you're you're effectively thinking like uh or wait, was it the other way around? He covered you. No, like, I covered him, but he I think he thought he covered me. Okay, either way, like he, it was a nine hundred dollar difference that he saved. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of times like people just like pay whatever whatever the number is uh and, and move on. Yeah. Um some more uh news that came out besides us, you know playing high stakes and stuff and i got even and you won a bunch of money is a little bit of a sad uh announcement sam grizzle passed 
I didn't I didn't get to experience too much Sam Grizzle in my day, but I did play with him a couple times at five ten at the win. Yeah. And the guy like will go down in history, man. Yeah, he's a character. Like I will say that Sam Grizzle loves Sulphur White. Like <laughs> this guy, I don't know how he found this. It was but from he, Conrad. But yeah, it was probably Conrad. Yeah. Like he would just be like, Christian, me and you, we know what's going on. <laughs> like, and then he would just like make fun of all these nits. Like, and then he'd be like, You're gonna race again, Christian. <laughs> like, and then he would just sit there, like, I gotta do, I gotta do the Sam. He would just sit there, always like this. And then just like super chilling, like just ready. Like, and he was a cool, dude. Um, but there are some legendary stories of Sam. Uh, and one of them was him punching Phil Phil Hamuth. I don't know if I don't know if that happened or not, but story is that it happened. That was my first introduction to him was the the Grizzle Hellmuth beef on like WSOP coverage. Yeah. So yeah. this had to be like back in 05, maybe. I already punched him in the face, like right after that. Like I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. But I don't know, man. <laughs> Sam looked like a tough guy at that time, man. Yeah, yeah. And then the other story that I heard is the one where he was playing a mixed game and then potentially like he ran it all the way down so todd brunson told me this story okay go ahead go apparently I, I don't know how accurate it is but i've told it before and nobody's corrected me on it so i assume it's pretty pretty accurate todd told me that grizzle was getting backed into like uh an 800 1600 stud game at commerce okay and uh that's a pretty large game yeah 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 so he was in for like some amount, I don't know, whatever it was. Um, it must have been like 100K, yeah. something to that effect. And he was winner by one big bet. So he was up $1,600 okay. or maybe two big bets, 3200 something like that. As backer comes down and pulls him from the game. And Grizzle's like, no, you can't pull me from this game. Like, it's too good. I'm smashing, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think he had like run it down and then got back up or whatever. And his backer's like, no, nah, like, you know, you're out. And he's like, all right, well, give me my half. So he gives him his 1600 And Sam sits there with one big bet and, like, runs it up to, like, six figures or something like that. What a legend, dude. Uh, but if I remember the story correctly, he he played for, like, days to, like, run it up to over six figures or something of that nature. And then apparently, like, ran it all the way back down to having just enough to buy into the to the tournament to whatever the tournament. they were running during it was like a 10k or something. yeah during like lapc or whatever i don't think it was a 10k but like whatever it was goes up plays it smashes it comes back down to the stud game and ends up having to ask somebody for cab fare when he was leaving wow <laughs> like four or five days later there's no stories like that anymore man yeah i mean honestly it's like folklore because like i definitely didn't get all the details right for sure but that some of that happened yeah like some, but wait even if 75 percent of that happened that's right. a lot <laughs> right 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 <laughs> Right. Depending upon like which details are accurate, like did he actually have one big bet that he turned into a hundred K? Like that like, would be... even if he had ten big bets, like yeah, that's yeah. like sixteen K to hundred K. Yeah. And then back down, then play the tournament. And it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't a ten K, it was a thirty five hundred, but he won it. Like right, right, it's yeah. like then he got that hundred K and said, Fuck my backer, and then I'm gonna take all my action, sat down, and then he's like fuck <laughs> some people were, man I, I i say this all the time like i'll never be rich i'm just allergic to money and like that's the allergy right there where it's just like you're always shooting for the high score that's so insane man the thing is like i was listening to uh 
Jason Kuhn, he was having an interview with uh, Dipfront. And he's like, you know, like some guys like, like they don't need, like we shouldn't have biographies with certain poker players. He's like, no one wants a biography of me. What are they going to be like? Oh, I wake up in the morning, lift weights and drink my protein shake. You need like, you need the biography of Phil Ivey. Like, it's like, I woke up in the morning, shot some dice. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's right and he's wrong. I, I, I I think he's a hundred percent right about like highlighting the characters. Um, we just aren't going to have any of those old school legendary gamblers because the game is much more analytical now. Yeah. You know, like we understand when we're giving things up and people don't want to willfully gamble without an edge, but I think he's wrong that like, he's an interesting fucking dude. Like Jason's background. Him specifically, is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I do, like, do we want, but do we want the biography of Ben Solsky? Right, right. It's yeah, like, it's, it's like he went to college, got a philosophy degree. Right. Now he's like sitting there. He has a he has a walking treadmill in front of his fucking computer. It's like okay, like what the fuck? I mean, yeah, like we're we're not gonna we're not gonna make. Sorry, a movie. Sauce. I love you, but like, goddamn. Yeah, we're not gonna make a movie out of it, right? <laughs> like, like that's definitely not a thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, like you know, this always turns around to like we have a marketing problem in this community for sure. Would you ever get a walking desk? Because that was what it's called, walking desk. Uh. Jason's actually going to give me one. I I literally just really? spoke with him yesterday. He, uh, him and his now wife Bianca are moving into another place, and they're getting rid of a bunch of stuff. So he's like, I have a standing desk and a treadmill. He's like, I can't walk and play at the same time, but maybe some people can. I don't know if I can. I'm gonna try. Sauce has like videos of him doing that. Yeah, like he's literally teaching while walking. Yeah, I'm like, okay. Like, I think there would be a better chance of me like writing while walking. which would actually be great because i struggle a ton to just like sit and stare at a screen and like put words to paper so the 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 characters right so we had there's some interviews that came out with ivy and barry greenstein Mm -hmm. so i didn't know this but like barry greenstein and ivy are like best friends yeah you don't remember the poker road days i remember that but i thought like I didn't know they were best friends. I thought they were just doing something together. Nah, he would never do that for somebody he didn't consider like fake. I know that now because yeah. I'm like, okay, like I thought Barry Greenstein. He used to follow him with like a flip phone on like private jets and shit and like just film all that stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know they were like best friends though. I thought they were just like. Poker Road was so ahead of its time. I'm so sorry it didn't succeed. Yeah. Like I think I think the landscape as is today would be very, very different if Poker Road had turned into like what greenstein envisioned it was i think it was it was more real though like so the poker road from what i remember right i think there's probably still some clips on youtube and stuff if people find them but there was no like hand history section right it was just like listen we're on the road i was shooting some dice we were in paris then they're in london yeah and they're just like yeah you got a private room to shoot some dice and then it's like hey tell us the story about the time that you uh you were like it was vlogging yeah, before yeah. it was a thing. But it right? was a, it was more like stories and, and action. Not yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. And then the podcast was very much the same. It was Gavin Smith, Joe Seabach, um, and then there was a, a, a host of others. I think Ali Najad was on there at one point. Um, I think that Tuck may... Nah, I don't think Tuck started there. Yeah, I don't think that either. I think Tuck started with uh, all his stuff probably... With the was, bike. Was with bike, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, there was a litany of hosts that, that came through the podcast. Uh, Amanda Leatherman was on there, I believe, briefly. Wow, that's early. And it was it was incredible. Like, you know, at the time, we thought we were getting, like, this great insight to high-level professional in Gavin Smith. Like, he was the celeb of the the pod. Um, you know, like, Scott Huff was another one of the hosts. 
Ali Najad, all, all these guys, they were kind of like the the up and comers. They're getting into the game, right? Like Ali was getting big into mix and Scott, I believe, was like kind of pursuing tournaments. Dude, I had no idea Ali was even a pro. Like no, yeah. no offense, no shots fired. Like well, no, it's just, no he's disrespect. Such a good commentator. Yeah, no disrespect. I just had no clue. Yeah. Like until recently, when I saw him actually playing. Yeah. I was like, oh wait, like you play a lot. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I play mix. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Also, yeah. I think like no limit players like don't know. We anyone. forget about that. World. Like you don't know that other people play other games. Like, yeah, right. It's like yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Seabock was you know Greenstein's stepson and yeah. was like really attempting to rise to the ranks and. You just heard that, right? Like they traveled together. They did the pod on the road. They would just like talk about tournament stop. It was literally like you felt like because all of us were just like feeling our way through this this landscape. We didn't have guides. Mm -hmm. So like Poker Road was kind of just like this extension of your own personal community of a bunch of dudes that you get to know pretty well that are doing the same thing. It was so so ahead of its time right it was like it had a forum it had this vlog with ivy i remember the forum concept was obviously like i don't i don't remember much but i remember you had to be like a pro to start to, a thread to, to start yeah, yeah 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 i remember uh mosin was like playing at foxwoods and got on greenstein's table and uh greenstein liked him and gave him like the red status on poker road forum and I remember him telling me about it. He's like, yeah, me and Barry, we're cool. I got red status on, on Poker Road. And I was just like, that's so fucking awesome. That's crazy. Like, you get to make posts. No. I didn't give a shit. <laughs> no, I wouldn't give a shit at all. We, we're just so, we're so jaded. We're so spoiled by, like, how much content is actually out there. So, yeah, I didn't want to go back to that content, right? So, Ivy's doing interviews with Barry on YouTube. I thought the interviews were, like, very, yeah, what's this for? I, I I'm didn't not sure what's it going on. Like it Triton, says, but I couldn't. It tell. said Poker Kings. Oh, that's that's 100 what it is because I think that uh, you know JRB just like ah, kind of leaked out yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his avatar. I think they're going to be making a big push for an app. I see. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that whole wave, the production was very well done. Yeah, I thought the production was extremely well done. I think, I think Barry's looked the same for the last twenty years. I don't know. It's like, really crazy. Like, like twenty five years ago, I'd be like, "Yo, he's old," and now yeah. twenty five years later, it's like, "Man, he looks fucking good." Yeah, it's like he's still the same. Like, where's what is Barry doing? Like, still, His, he'll tell you that the secret to all this is sex. Yeah, I know. I've heard. You, have you read Ace on the River? No. It's it's a good, it's actually a really good read. Uh, I haven't read it probably for a decade, but it really was a good like insight to to how to navigate the professional world and he puts a real real big emphasis on being able to fuck he's just like yeah you know you go on the road you gotta like you know you gotta bring a girl with you yo me and barry gonna go to <laughs> me and barry about to go to dr bro like me and barry about to go to dr me and barry about to hit every single spot he, on the, to DR. he wants to go to the philippines <laughs> all right let's see the guy has he has a taste you know yeah. he has his taste you know there's some, you know there's a little bit of chinitas out there in dr you know <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what chinitas is? No. Like Chinese girls. Oh, okay. Like chinitas. I, I, I don't speak Spanish, man. <laughs> yeah, but I'm 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 incorporating you, you know? Just okay. like I learned like I learned little words from you, Yinzer. Like, yeah. you know, like chinitas. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm crazy, bro. All right. Um, okay, that was a really good concept. But I think the part that we were getting to was 
there are no legends. And I think you told me this when we were watching a little bit of the Ivy stuff and it kind of comes back to like the Sam Grizzle, like all these legendary story, Ivy's all the legendary story. Everybody loves Ivy stories. Yeah. Where are the stories from today? Like, it's like, I, I, like, I don't want to hear about everybody's it. cool, calm and calculated, man. Yeah. Like where you are know? the stories, man? Like we need some, you know, who has the stories that doesn't say it is Bryn Kenny. Yeah, probably. I think Bryn Kenny has some stories in the, in the, Locked in tough. Well, he definitely has like some famous like paths of busting like infinite roles. I've seen him. I've and then seen, running it back up. I've seen some uh, interviews with Bryn Kenny. He's like, he's like, yeah, I used to bet on commodities. <laughs> <laughs> so he would bet like balls on commodities. Yeah, like it seems like a, a smart, <laughs> sharp play. <laughs> he would. He would just bet on commodities. The thing is like you just don't see that now because you get scorned for it. It's not celebrated in the community at all to be a gambler, hmm. right? It's celebrated to be a calculated killer. Uh, no, nobody who takes their shot and misses is going to be revered. And even those who take their shot and get there are just going to be seen as lucky. So let's talk about that. We were talking a little bit about uh, the poker ladder uh, on our way here in the car. And the interesting part about it, right, is... When you even live or online, you play, let's just, just take the live example, right? It's like one, two, no limit, right? That's the bottom. Then you go from one, two, whatever. There's like a little bit of a half a step up to one, three, depending where you live. Yeah. Um. Then it's two, five. Then there's like slight variations of two, five. Yeah. Right? There are like interval steps in all of these. Right, right. So it's like, cap changes. yeah, two, five, 500, two, five up to 1500. Right. Yeah. So it's like. There's like a, another half step up. Then it's 510, 1500, 510, no cap, mm -hmm. right? And then from there, you go straight 1020. Then there's like a little bit of variation there where it's like this 1020. Well, the game just becomes board, versatile. Right. It's very, exactly. You, yeah. you said this in other, in other podcasts where it was like, okay, it's either 1020, 40 or is, or is 1020 deep or is 1020 just standard? You know, it's basically, yeah. I, I think it just basically accommodates the who's players. Playing. Yeah. Correct. Like, oh, we have a guy who wants to play bigger, but, like, we're obviously not going to get a 51 game going. Correct. But then the ladder stops. I think pretty much across the board, around the country, 1020 is often the biggest game yeah. available. Uh, unless other things are going on, right? So then from there, it's like 1020. The next step is usually 5100. And that's not normal, right? So effectively, the ladder has stopped. And you have to get creative with the way you move. Uh, Even 50, outside. 100 is not common. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, the next step, sorry, excuse me. The next step is 50, 100 when available. Right. That's like the right. entry into the, the rare air. Right. But I feel like 50, 100 is probably the least common stake of quote oh, unquote high stakes. Yeah. And all of the stakes are non common or not common. Yes. Right. Like, and this is this is funny too, because like, you know, I've been in Vegas since 2008. I can count on my hand maybe the amount of times I've seen 2550 run. I I'm exaggerating, obviously. It doesn't but run like, often, though. Yeah. It's not a common game at all because obviously 1020 just becomes 2040 and the difference is minimal. Mm -hmm. It's just the chip in play. Right. And like, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a weird phenomenon, but live cash players specifically don't use $25 chips very often. That's a West Coast thing. Yeah. I guess. It's yeah, you play like 1025 back yeah. east mm -hmm. and then it becomes 2550. Correct. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Uh I don't think we'll see much of that 
moving forward in the future, I think you'll see more of an adaptation of what you see in the West Coast because it monkey wrenches the Sims if you do the 1025 or if you do 2525, right? Like people want what they're comfortable with, uh, which hopefully will go the opposite way. Hopefully we'll steer into like what's dis- or what's not comfortable. Mm. Um, but like, you know, those pre-solved ranges make a lot less sense whenever the small blind is uh, not half. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, when it's, when it's significantly less or when it's equal to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a student who plays in a 5-5 game and they were kind of asking like, uh, you know, okay, so it folds to me in the small blind and it's a time game, so I'm not chopping. What, what does my strategy look like? And it's like, well, this got a little weird because you have the option to check. That is weird. Right? So like now you're basically forced into having a limp strategy, which in simplification, you could just have a raise fold strategy. Right. It's like you, if it's two five, you can just muck. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like to some degree, those solves are probably out there because two five does exist and people are running them. Yeah. But it's a little different. Um, okay. So then what we were saying was how does one go about like, okay, I have some, a good example. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the prime example in this scenario is someone that can play uh, all variations of 510 for sure, play all variations of 1020, but then has to definitely be have the wherewithal of when 50, 100 pops up or bigger. Mm-hmm. Do I want to play? How do I play? Uh, you know, how do I get involved in the scene? Like, so if you're wearing my shoes, like what would what would you do? And then I'll kind of like fill in the gaps of. Like, I mean, I, I, I feel do. like the only difference between you and me is the amount of hours we're committing to this, because like you still have to put in pretty high volume mm-hmm. at like five, ten, ten, twenty, where I feel like my time's probably better served doing other things. Um, but yeah, as far as like finding out when games are running, putting yourself in a position to get in them. I mean, first and foremost, you want to be valuable enough that people feel necessary to to extend that mm. that courtesy to get a hold of you yeah right like i get in a lot of games that 10 years ago i wouldn't have gotten into yeah yeah for and sure. it's just the difference between uh you know having been on tv and people seeing the way i play and like wanting that action versus like just thinking maybe i'm good action but not necessarily being able to confirm if i'm winning or not um so i think that that's worth a lot i think networking obviously is worth a ton but also just like playing in high traffic areas yeah which makes sense like you know just if, being in the building a lot of yeah times it's too. like if 1020 is running at bellagio then that's the most probable place to have 50 100 yes 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 yeah being in the building like a lot of times like i'll send you a text message like hey this person just walked in a game might pop yeah you know like it's just like you know like just being in the scene like you're very know critical what, to have like right. guys that are putting in volume being your scouts right exactly so like, finding five or six guys that you know are grinding all different schedules that will be in the building at different hours and just having them be on the lookout for like anything that looks like it may be a bigger game for sure and, and the thing is like you can't like you can't always be in action right like we kind of went through the we kind of spoke about this like get while on our way here it's like mm-hmm. Like myself and you and another person and another person, right? Like, let's say there's four of us, right? Yeah. Regardless, like there's probably three of us, but whatever. There's four of us. You might get in a game that I won't be in a game or I might get in a game that you're not, not going to play. And then this person might be in a TV game that like we're not in and then mm. these kind of things. But like the group is putting in X amount of hours. And if you could get act, if each person can get action 
like bought and sold from one another in different spots, it's like maintaining yourself in action seems like it's it's going to be plus EV because it, you're only going to get so many high stakes hours per year, yeah. no matter who you are. Even I, I, and I mean, like this is proven. This is proven throughout the decades of like the guys who are here and who made it right. Mm. Like the the Seaver Ike connection, the the ship at Halabalas. Mm. Like I'm listening to that book right now. It's so good. It's so good. It should be a movie. I mean, it would be like an awful movie, like a Tucker Max movie. But like, it's so hilariously good. But like, you know, they did a lot of that too, where it's just like, like, look at that crew. Yeah. Of Robel, Durr, Gelfond, uh, Benefield, Peter Jetton, like all of them were successful. And Peter Jetton is like, he's like an anomaly to me, man. Like only because I know so little about him, except from the fact that he was best friends with Durr. And then he tried to create videos for Runner once. And then he said that the Runner Ones community was better than him. Mm-hmm. So he quit. And then now I see him playing Triton. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what's going on, man? <laughs> like, either they were better than you or not. And it's like, maybe they were. Maybe but he just maybe didn't he's... see the value in in communicating like what he thought was his edge. Yeah, his edge is like, listen, I'm friends with Dirk. And like, yeah. we're about to do this thing. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just getting into that part of the story. Like, they just introduced Dirk. Peter was actually introduced prior. Uh, I think that they had a mutual friend. I, I haven't figured out like who literally everybody is in the crew because there's so many. They only use the online monikers, yeah. And like I wasn't familiar with some of them, but it's really it's really awesome to listen to. And yeah, it's just like it's proven. Like the, these guys effectively create hedges, uh, or or like hedge funds, yeah, poker hedge funds, right? And it's so smart to do if. So like here's here's a good example. Like say say we took our collective crew, right? We we took like you, me. Um, and then three or four other guys that we're pretty close with that are happy to like chop up action a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we all pull our money and we say, okay, here's the way it's going to work. Anytime any one person is in play, the fund is going to have 30% of them. Okay. And then they're free to do whatever they want with the other 70. They can keep it or they can sell some of it to the fund if they if they feel like they're extended, right? Yeah. So say we all put up 100K. We have a half a million dollar fund between five of us. Yeah. At any given time, the fund is going to have 30% of anybody's action who's in play. And then if they want to sell a greater piece because they feel overextended, then they do so, right? And we just all make it uh, our priority that we're only going to take a distribution once a year from the fund, right? Okay. Not only do you put yourself in a position where you're able to play a half a million dollar or, or, or games where like you have basically a half a million dollar bankroll instead of like your 100K. But you also put yourself in a position where the five of you are collectively growing together. Mm-hmm. So now you're getting access to games that you wouldn't otherwise have. Yes. Uh, you right, have the right. ability to you know, network within the five of you, but also like chop up action in, in a big way. You know, big tournament scores now benefit the collective as well as the individual. That's huge. It, it's just, yeah. it's the way that people rise to the top. And I don't think that that's understood well enough because one, that has kind of just, it's kind of uh, been less necessary in the past five to eight years because selling has become such a, a common occurrence in the community and buying is like, uh, you know, relatively lucrative if you're if you're good about cherry picking. But then two, online in America just like isn't really a thing. Yeah. So these these pods aren't forming as easily here, right? Like people aren't collectively coming together from all ends of the, the United States 
and just meeting in this online forum and like getting to know one another and like you know yeah it, like if you for example if you look at the ship at hall of ballers it's like they're they're from all over they're from the midwest they're from the east coast they're from texas they're from but they all had a lot of respect for each other because they played online together yeah they basically all like came together yeah in the two plus two realm um the live realm is it gets dicier when you just play with the live realm though because now there might be a situation where like three of you are in a game yeah and you're all chopping it up yeah that's you can't do that right yeah and it's so small like i you know people say this a lot like oh the high stakes world is small but it really is like it really really is yeah. like it's like now like me teetering into that world is just like man there's like like maybe there's like 50 of us in town yeah. maybe yeah, yeah. you know like it's like okay and it's like even la like you start knowing like who's in la just because it's so close right and they and like you know we trade people back and forth kind of yeah so it's like such a small collective of people. and there's such a small number of games available like, correct like even that 50 100 game um it's like i was jonesing the play because the game's really fucking good and i just popped off a big score in yeah. in the one two game but then i'm also thinking to myself it's like well if i play then i have none of chin mm. or i could just pass and just like take a chunk of chin yeah and it's like what's worth more of my time like me taking all of myself and having none of you or me just going home and going to bed and then just like taking a piece of you yeah um either one's fine yeah both of them are obviously really profitable and it's just a matter of like how i want to spend my time yeah. and stuff like that i mean like if the guy if you're gonna make quads you know i think you should sit oh man the funniest <laughs> part too is, and like this is obviously like a silly thing to point to because it doesn't matter but I waited for that seat for all of 15 minutes. Yeah. And in that 15 minutes, Brandon Myers ran Kings into Aces twice. Yeah. Allegedly, it was Queens into Aces the second time. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sure. I thought I thought the no, I, th I thought it was Kings into Aces twice also. Okay. But so it's, he ran, he ran Kings into Aces to get stacked and then Queens into Aces to get stacked. And then he has to leave. Yeah. Like he just, he quits the game, right? Uh, I don't know how many binds it was worth, but it was, like, uh, he was down 20,000. Yeah. So okay. two binds. Okay. Yeah. I, that's not too bad. I, I thought like the first one was worse. Well, he had, he was winning. Oh, uh, I, so, see, I, see, I see. So yeah. Okay. So it was a 40K pot with the Kings. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So he vacates the seat. No more than two hours later, I'm winning a 40K pot. No. 40K plus pot with quads yeah. versus an air ball. You 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 got the luck like the luck, the bad luck ran out right as I went to sit down in the seat I go all right let's go all the shit luck's out of this seat there's no way I'm getting cooler it's it's maybe it's it, there's obviously nothing to it but it's yeah. just, it's just kind of funny. but it's kind of funny it is funny way sometimes you do out. feel like you're you you get the lucky seat like, yeah some days you do some days you don't man yeah it's 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 wild I am curious to see what that pops up with like the Ivy stuff like yeah, Ivy stories are always uh, interesting. Uh, it's interesting because Durr was doing the like he's been doing kind of hand histories for Triton. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen them, like the one where like they shut off the lights on him. No. Okay. Is it uh, good? That's pretty funny. I mean, you love Durr, so. Oh man, like I mean, the guy could do no wrong. He's the only one left. I've said this a couple times. Like I had a couple like idols, like it was like Durr, Jay Carver, Vanessa, and these people were like, I've met Jay Carver and Vanessa, and they're great people, but they're not the same like on TV. Like it's like and then Vanessa, she was blasted drunk. I'm like, okay. Like, I guess she's cool, though. That was great. Like, Jay Carver, like, he was like, you should fault. And I'm like, okay, I don't <laughs> Relax, bro. <laughs> 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 like, okay. And then, I got to keep the mystique going. I'm not just going to. Maybe. I, it's going to run away one of these days. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, but they both are doing like their own thing. It seems like they're both trying to be like a little bit in the limelight again ish, or yeah. they just have like deals, which is the more. I think their business is. connections are are what's incentivizing this. Yeah, like, you know they've been in Macau for the better part of a decade now. Yeah, I'm sure that they're pretty looped in with like Fua and all the guys that are behind Triton and behind Kings and yeah, you know I, I imagine that this is all business. They're in the mix. Yeah, they're in the mix. Okay, we have two topics. You get to pick one. Only one, though. Okay. Next week, we'll save. We can talk about pads, Twitter thread messages. Sure. Or we can talk about what's about to happen in two weeks, which is Daniel Negreanu versus Doug Polk finally coming to a pinnacle. Mm-hmm. What is, which one you want? I mean, I think it's more relevant to save than the Negreanu one. Okay. But also, I don't think there's a whole lot to unpack from the pads thread. Okay, quick, quick thing with the pads thing, right? Uh, not we don't have to unpack it, but effectively, what he's saying is that when people think in a group, then it harms the the entirety of of the collective because people are either a afraid to go against the grain. It, it, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I, I actually think his tweet is really relevant, but perhaps hastily worded mm-hmm. because it makes it sound like community is a bad thing. Pat's been going a little spicy lately. Like in the yeah, last, I like that. in the last four months, especially since he's left uh, BB staking, mm-hmm. like he's kind of, or was it bit staking? Bit B. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> you were there. Uh, uh yeah. Um, it, he's like been free to speak, which is like what he said initially when he left. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, like now I'm free to talk. Yeah. Uh, and he's been talking. You know. Yeah. I I think I think like the the underlying messaging of that thread that he put out is uh, accurate. And we, we see it in other elements of life. I just think that like, he kind of hastily worded it where he put a big emphasis on the downside mm-hmm. and kind of like was a little flippant about the upside of community. Uh, we, we see this with religion all the time. What he's really talking about is dogma, mm-hmm. right? So whenever you, whenever you demonstrate, um, or I should say, whenever you build out, a community that is going to have an inherent hierarchy and almost all communities will, right? Yeah. There are going to be community leaders. There are going to be those that are active in the community and then there are going to be community lurkers. Mm-hmm. As that happens, an inherent pride for that community occurs. Like mm. We saw it on the onset of the show. Like I'm proud as fuck yeah. to be from Pittsburgh and to be a Steelers fan. Yeah. But it's silly. Same it's with nonsense. me. But, yeah. But, it, you know. From DR. As far as like human traits go, it's silly because it implies that there's some sort of elitism to aligning yourself in this particular way versus that particular way. Right, right. right? It, it creates a right and wrong. Um, but yeah, anytime this hierarchical structure begins, now whatever the leaders are messaging towards the collective starts to steer in the direction of dogma. And... What I think he was trying to point out is that then creates a very high level of toxicity whenever the rest of the collective isn't really free to think and act as they see fit. And it's not that they're not free to, but it's 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 that the the alignment and pride into the community doesn't allow them to, right? Because disagreeing with people that you idolize, whether that's God in a religion or whether that is a celebrity in a community, mm. or whether that is uh, a professional in a community, whatever the case may be, um, we 
we kind of like don't acknowledge the the limited scope of what their message offers. And the I think the professional you're saying? The professional, the the deity, the the celebrity, whatever. I get it. I get it. It's all flawed, right? Because even like from the deity standpoint, like let, let's for argument's sake say that uh the entire universe believes in one solo God and we all operate under sort of uh, some sect of religion. The issue is, is that like none of us have actually communicated with this God. Mm. So the message is not actually being passed down from the top. It's a giant game of telephone where man made some sort of message at the top and have now dispersed it out, right? And with each layer that it comes down, the translation is getting off more and more and more. We see this in diet and nutrition a lot where experts all think something collectively, right? I think all experts in nutrition would agree collectively that a whole foods well-balanced diet is going to be pretty healthy, yeah. right? Whether they think that's the most optimal or not, doesn't really matter, right? right? But they can start with the baseline of these micronutrients are necessary for all human beings, right? But the problem is, as that information gets understood at the top and it's complex and nuanced, it gets simplified now as it gets passed down layer by layer. Yep. And by the time it gets to the bottom, it's if it fits your macros, bro. Bet 30% on all boards. Right. <laughs> right. We see it a ton, obviously, in this community. Right. Yeah. It, but it's... okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight back a little bit. Okay. Because I do think that there is a little disrespect when some one, two players shoots their shot at you and be like, You played this bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that also is not a thing that should be done. Like it Well, the thing is, is generally speaking, when that's the case, it's because uh we're we're two different sects, sects of the same community, right? So it would be like a Protestant yelling at a Catholic. I see. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. like, it, it's very reasonable for uh, a, a, a parishioner of Protestant religion to criticize the Pope because I he see. has no alignment to the Pope, right? Okay. What you're not going to see is a parishioner of the Catholic religion criticizing the Pope. I see. Because that's his direct higher up. Uh, and okay. I, I think like, so how does that connect here so like online versus live for instance okay. right but if a one two Some live player tells you that you played this hand bad at 5100 yeah it feels as if that person is out of line or out of out of out of their lane in yeah a way. which is definitely true i guess what i'm saying is that it's just likely that we don't like or like, you're just playing you're, two you're different games. You're, well you're qualifying it by by stakes and the reality is it's qualified differently by thought processes, right? Like there are going to be people who are contra contrarian and then there are going to be people who are uh, kind of going with the group. And it's like, I'm, I'm generally going to fall on the line of contrarian. So if somebody is, you know, following the path of uh, whatever, like their favorite online guru or uh you know their favorite vlogger or whatever the case may be it's very likely that it's gonna not align with the way that i think so they they shoot their cross shot got it but the whole point is that like or i think the whole point that pads is trying to make is that when you get blinded by dogma you can't really see the forest for the trees any longer you're only able to see the information that's being spoon fed to you I just don't like that term, like the forest for the trees. Like, Why? The trees are in the forest. You, that's the point. Do you not understand the analogy? <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, so it's a metaphor. You can't see the forest through, you, you can't see the forest for the trees. In other words, you can't see the big picture. You can only see each tree individually. Because you're in the forest. Yes. 
So you have to be out of the forest in a helicopter. Right. Going over the trees. Well, well you don't. <laughs> sure. Sure. We, we could put it that way. Okay. But yeah, it's it's the difference between having a microscopic view of something versus like the 30,000 foot view. So when you're in the forest, right? Yeah. Like you're looking up and all you see is trees. trees. Right. But you can't see. So you can't, you can't that, acknowledge that that's a forest. You can only see the trees. Yes. But you know you're in the forest, though. I mean, I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. I got it. Okay. You're in the forest. You're you couldn't surrounded. tell me where the boundary is. You couldn't right, tell me right. where the forest there's ends. No, we don't know when the forest ends. Right. Or begins. Or begins. All yeah. we know is that there's a bunch of trees. Yes. And we could be literally right out. Like, we, we could be, like, steps away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not that close, because right. then we would actually see it. Right. But yeah. Okay. That applies to strategy as well. When you're When you're constantly dogmatic to the details of... You know, you have to bet X, Y, or Z. Uh, you have to check X, Y, and Z. And it all applies in these very specific ways, right? You no longer see the bigger picture. You don't yes. see the overall strategy. Correct. You just see the actual detail of like, or the mechanic. Yeah, bet 30%. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Got it. it, it kind of reminds me like, I was watching Moneyball the other day. And I hadn't watched it in a while. And I forgot like how much, A, I love baseball. God, do I love baseball. But B, like, how directly it correlates to the change that we saw in poker. I mean, uh, like Bill James's concept of digging deeper into the statistics of baseball and being able to measure talent that way is what PO was to poker, mm. right? It, it was, it, it's what mass data scraping and running it through uh, or, or mass data scraping and then utilizing the lens of, of solves uh over that that data scrape it, it it's corollary right like baseball is one of the most statistical sports that we have and it's one of the highest volume sports because they play 162 games a year over 30 teams etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's like this guy would had the the foresight to say like i can analyze people without ever seeing them take a swing that's crazy yeah and there's like a scene where these old scouts are all like in their 60s and 70s yeah, are like like, oh, yeah, yeah, great kid. I, his girlfriend's a six, though. I, I mean, you know, that just screams lack of confidence. Yeah. Like, I, we might pass on him for that. Or it's like, you know, yeah, rock solid jaw. Like, really think he's going to be a five-tool player. And it's just like, you know, they're, they're going off of quite literally nothing. But it's – I hate to dismiss it that much because the parallel really is there. It's like what they're going off of had, like, kind of demonstrated – some level of success, maybe like 66% success. Yeah, yeah. They could predict who was going to be good. And it's comparable to like being alive. Like you can look somebody in the face and you can say like, I can already tell like this guy doesn't have the chops. He doesn't study. I can tell you these 10 things about this person that's probably going to lead to him faltering, right? Um, and oftentimes it's true, but it's only true to a degree of accuracy that's like, you know, reasonable. Remember there was a scene I remember in like uh, when Russell Thomas... No, no, was it Russell Thomas? Yeah, yeah, it was like the Russell Thomas documentary, right? Mm. That you were in, and you were like, "I can you walk tell." By a table. Yeah, like I could yeah. walk by a table. Like, hold on, let me let me lay out the scene. You were like, "I could walk by a table," and within minutes, I can tell you all their capabilities, all eight of them. All right, we'll like, <laughs> we'll play the clip because that's not what it said but no, don't play the clip just go by what i said like no. that's that's that that's how it went he's like i could tell you everything <laughs> I, I would say just walking by a random table 
I would be able to tell you after five minutes um, most of the abilities and capabilities of each individual at the table. I do think that that still holds very true. Like it's easy to uh, walk by a game and just tell if it's good or not. Yeah. What you can't tell is if you have an elite reg versus a shit reg. Yeah. You can just tell it's a reg, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that was back in 2012. Everyone was a shit reg. Yeah, yeah. So like, you just walk by and be like, yeah, nobody's a killer in this lineup. Like, Benbo's not playing today. So, like, we're good. We That's probably funny. sit. Yeah, man. What a what a wild thing. Okay, so then you're saying the what, finish your thought with the money ball. Well, well just that, like, uh, it revolutionized the game. So it was adapt or die in baseball. And baseball is one of the most traditional sports around. Mm -hmm. But we saw sabermetrics become just, like, a thing almost immediately. And now here we are 15 years later. And they're talking about adapting the rules in order to uh, kind of fight back against all the statistical analysis. And I think poker is in a very similar boat, right? Like baseball is very, very close to banning shifts because left-handed players who were the most sought after athletes in the sport have all been rendered useless. Uh, the shift has basically just like taken away any sort of benefit there was to being a left-handed hitter. What is a shift? Like so, the, the shift of the defense? Yeah. So okay. you take the left side of the infield and you just put them all on the right side. Got it. So now a lefty has to hit through four infielders or shallow outfielders, yeah. whatever the case may be, and their batting averages have plummeted. And you can't do the same to right-handed players because you need a first baseman. Yeah. Somebody has to be there to fill right, the out, right, right. right? So, um, you know, they haven't been able to successfully shift as well against righties. You can move the second baseman behind, play like Rover a little bit, but you don't get to have that like shallow. Massive, yeah. Yeah, that shallow outfielder who's going to throw you out and, and and also, it's a longer throw, right? So having somebody in right, short left right. field isn't really going to accomplish much. Uh, so the game had been built for, for you know, centuries, really, uh, well over 100 years. It had been built to be slightly advantageous to a lefty. And that was fine because lefties are only 10% of rare, the world. Right. Yeah, they're so rare. Lefty, lefty. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Our entire company is almost all left-handed. Um, but yeah, so it's like a super rare commodity. And it, it made people seek them out. But now, quite the opposite had happened where lefties have almost become like a bit of a detriment. Uh, and a lot of the reasons that they were sought after are no longer relevant. So it's just more about like putting them on the mound. And uh, I think that like that, well, it, it also had something else come from it. So because lefties couldn't hit for average anymore, the launch angle was, was created. So the entire approach to a swing was wow. basically remanufactured. And what they found was that by dipping ever so slightly and getting more into like a Griffey-like swing, which kind of mimics like what you would see on a softball field more than a baseball field, that long looping yeah. swing, they were hitting more for power. So they were hitting more home runs. And especially in the league where people are throwing harder and harder somehow every single year, this worked out really well. But what happened is the product, the the product that was like laid out on the field, didn't benefit from the way that like it did during the the so juice so, ball era. Yeah. yeah, because they were all just hitting bombs. Right, strikeouts weren't increasing. But now what you're seeing is strikeouts are like through the roof, and home runs are also increasing. So basically, you're just getting a bunch of like games that are being played to a draw until someone hits a three run home run. Yeah. Wow. And crazy. all of the traditional strategy of baseball is just like thrown by the wayside. There's no more bunting. There's no more stealing. There's no more hitting, running. All this stuff is just gone because everybody's just playing for the three-run home run. That's so boring though. 
Right. Yeah. Right. So like that's what I'm saying is like the statistical analysis had had changed the view of the game to such a drastic degree that they're actually considering like implementing rules. And I think poker is probably in the same spot right now with yeah. regards to RTA. I could see all their talents. You're an idiot. <laughs> it was a legendary clip, man. Your ass is a legendary clip. <laughs> I'm just saying it was a legendary clip. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Of course, follow us, subscribe. If you're listening to other platforms that's not YouTube, come on to YouTube. Hit us with a subscribe. We need the help, man. Actually, I want to thank Doug Polk because he gave us almost 10,000 views for this last one. Mm. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, I hope he does uh, not great against Daniel, but if he does well, either way, I'm glad I picked up a thousand followers. We picked up some subscribers. It's all good. It's all good. I hope you all enjoyed the show. This is episode number 15 of the Software Wide Vlogcast. Christian Soto and Matt Berkey. Good luck. And I hope you know all the talents of all Episode 20. It was 20? What did I say? 15. <laughs> it's been a long week, man. It's been a long week. Watch the other, watch episodes 16, 17, 18, and 19 before you watch this one. Sure. Good night. You are not above me. I bet you wish you was me. I know that I know.